Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn. But even if you're not a corn producer, there are still many of these things that are going to apply to the crops that you do raise. If you've got any questions or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can send me a note on Twitter, Brian Hefty, or Ag PhD Media. Well, we are live in the Morton studio today. Oh, and uh, I wasn't sure if my brother Darren is going to be joining me, but uh, here he is. Darren, how's it going today? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been interesting as as we're starting to see some guys getting going in the fields in the north, uh, just what kind of conditions they're planning into. And obviously there's a lot of videos and pictures that you're seeing on social media right now. And oftentimes, here's what we're running into, Brian, in a lot of situations. We're seeing it looks kind of gray on top of the ground, looks dry. Maybe we're even kicking up a little bit of dust. But underneath, we've got muck. And if you find yourself in those situations, it's tough. It's a tough decision to make whether, you know what, should I try and hold out for another day? Or, hey, there's rain in the forecast coming up. Do I just push it right now? It's not easy. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's always one of those things where you've, you've got to make a judgment call. And that's the challenge with farming is we just don't know what the weather's going to be. And so I was talking to some, some farmers about this this morning because they go, oh, yeah, next week looks terrible and the end of the week next week looks really bad. I mean, just cold. And I said, well, first of all, nobody knows for sure at the end of next week what that weather is actually going to be. They might be saying right now that in our area it's going to be 52 degrees, but it just as likely could be 72 or 32 as 52. They don't know. So don't get too worried about those things. Uh, you know, when you look at the long-term forecast, when you're looking at the short-term, yes, they have a real good idea within the next three to five days what's going on. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess I just, I hate to get too hung up on the things we can't control. But every day, yes, you've got to make a judgment call as to whether or not you're going to go out there. Okay, so today our topic is post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn. And just to get into that right away, I look at this as you've got two choices. Either you've got status that is fantastic, two modes of action, but it's really expensive, or you've got cheap on HPPD, uh, more residual, more concerned about carryover, a lot less expensive, like 10 to $15 an acre less expensive if you go HPPD, depending on the rates you're going to use of HPPD versus the rate you're going to use on status. HPPD is really good on a lot of weeds. I do get concerned about resistance because if you're just going straight HPPD, you got one mode of action there. And we've already but seen some water hemp. you screwed up this two-choice thing, Brian. Your two choices may already be thrown out the window if an HPPD pre has already been applied. Now you can't use HPPD post again, and your other cheap option is, well, what if I just run with clarity or something like that and throw a half pound of atrazine with it? How big of a drop-off is it compared to a premium product like Status? Okay, well, I don't even look anymore as guys are, are realistically going to use just straight old dicamba. They can. You certainly can. I don't, 
I don't usually give that option to guys. But yeah, if you want to do that, let's say you want to go Roundup and you want to throw in a pint of Clarity or a pint of Old Banville, you absolutely can do that. There's also Bucktrail. And, you know, it, it kills a few weeds. So if you happen to have those few weeds, Bucktrail is fine. There's also Atrazine. And a lot of people like to use atrazine, and I'm fine with a little bit of atrazine use. I just don't want to get too carried away. So when you talk HPPD and what is another mode of action you can throw with it, I would throw a little atrazine with it, and I'd use my HPPD and the atrazine post in most cases rather than use it pre. The one other thing that I will say as a post-corn herbicide that actually has no post-emerge activity is the group 15s. We're finding a lot of people in the premixes, especially, because let's say you have Halex, Acuron, Acuron Flexi, Lumax, Resicor, all these products that are getting used early post. They have a group 15 in there, like Outlook, Dual, Surpass, Harness, Zidua, one of the group 15 herbicides, zero post-emerge activity, residual control only, but people are using those to basically extend their window of control to hopefully get them all the way through crop canopy. So anyway, yes, you could you could do the dicamba, the cheap dicamba thing like you're talking about, but otherwise I just look at, hey, it's status or it's HPPD, and you made a good point. If you use the HPPD pre, well, you should not use that. I'd never, ever recommend that you use that post-emerge. We don't want to double up on that, both for carryover concern and for resistance issues. Okay, well, I want to I want to get into this because we talk about it so often in soybeans about having multiple effective modes of action in the tank. Now, you could argue, hey, dicambas, that's an effective mode of action, so I could use that. Great, but how much dicamba are you using? I find too many guys that are running with super low rates. They're going with Roundup. They're spiking in six or eight ounces of dicamba, and they're not happy with the results. The other thing is. If you're putting a half pound of atrazine in, that's fine with me in most situations. But a half pound of atrazine on its own is hardly going to kill anything. So, yeah, you got kind of a partial rate there. If you do run that full pint of clarity or something like that, okay, you got a full rate there, and you can do good on relatively small weeds. And, you know, the Roundup may not be worth much other than some escaped grass control. So just be realistic about what weeds you have and what effective modes of action are in your tank, and what rate those are at, too. If a guy is in conventional corn and using a full rate of a group 15 pre, then you could follow with status or HPPD and a little atrazine, and you're going to probably have almost perfect grass control. But if you didn't use that full rate of group 15 early, status and, and any of the HPPD herbicides are not perfect on grass. And so to your point, throwing a little Roundup in there is a really good idea. And by the way, a lot of people want to talk bad about Roundup in terms of, oh, it doesn't kill any of these weeds anymore. It still kills about 99% of weed species. It's just unfortunate that some of the worst ones we have, it doesn't control. But having Roundup in there is usually advantageous as well. Well, we'll keep talking about post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn and taking your questions and calls right after this. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, 
helping you spray better. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Efficiency is important to the bottom line, but your nitrogen program can be a challenge, as rainfall can leach nitrogen needed for a profitable crop right out of the root zone. Applied with UAN fertilizer, Proximus from Actigrow is proven to reduce nitrate leaching up to 69% and increase nitrogen use efficiency. To improve your yield, ask your ag retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit StopLeaching.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're talking about post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn, but we are happy to take your phone call and talk about anything going on in your farm. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send me an email, radio at agphd.com. Well, once a week here on the show, we do talk about grain marketing just a little bit. And to do that, we brought in Scott Harms. He is with Grain PhD in Archer Financial Services. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Brian. All right. Well, Scott, I'm not doing so well because here in the last probably 10 days, uh, soybean price has gone down quite a bit and corn price has gone down quite a bit. And um, I, I'll just, I, I've been talking to a lot of farmers I know that do seed production, for example, and they've got a deadline coming up real soon where they got to price their beans. So they're worried about, okay, what? Uh, I may have to price the beans and now I'm going to hit a low. Why have things gone down so much here in just this last week, do you think? Well, I think there's a few things in play. Uh, one is uh, these contracts that have come due, but you know, demand for our products, corn, beans, or wheat have been uh, pretty pathetic overall. We just haven't seen, you know, whether it be the lack of a trade deal or otherwise, we haven't seen business uh, step in. And so the market's going to continue to kind of search for lower price levels in order to try to generate that business. Uh, you know, the other big feature is going to be fund selling. Um, you know, the funds a couple weeks ago, or a week or so ago, we had the corn short position around 270,000 contracts. And we thought that might stall out because that was their old record short position. Well, now they're close to 400,000 contracts. So these guys are just largely trend followers. They don't care. They care very little about planning delays and some of the fundamental factors we like to talk about. Uh, they're just selling the wave lower. So, and they've been reaping the rewards, uh, rewards on, on selling it. So they, at some point, it will stop. We'll get a trigger that will cause them to cover a portion of the short position that should provide uh, another, you know, some nice price support. But in addition to these contracts that um, <clears throat> some of these sales contracts that have become due or may be coming due, 
I think another factor that hit the markets this week came into play was these. we triggered some knockout sales levels on some of these merchandiser accumulator contracts uh, with this weakness. And this creates farmer sales, not necessarily by choice, but by the contract that they negotiated with their merchandiser uh, that they previously entered into. So it's it's my expectation that that selling should now have run its course or is close to running its course. And this combined with the, the forecast, a much wetter forecast for next week for a large portion of the belt, uh, should provide a nice uh, recovery as we flip the calendar into May. Okay, so I was talking about farmers that either they've got contracts coming due, they have to price things, they need cash, whatever. There are a lot of people that are uh, getting out of their cash positions anyway. What advice would you have for them if they want to re-enter the market? Well, yeah, to to get back in the game and re-own it on paper, um, you have to step into, you know, get buy futures, um, buy futures contract, um, buy call options or enter into a bull call spread. I think the best way, if you're, if you just don't want to step in right away and you want to wait for this fund selling to dry up, what we like to do is, is pick a point above the market, a trigger above the market, uh, work with uh, your risk manager and try to determine a price level above the market that the, that will get triggered. That may be an indication that we're ready to turn the table. We don't know when the funds are going to stop selling. You know, can they get the short 500,000 contracts of corn and 150,000 contracts of beans? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's all about money flow. But there is, they are very sensitive to uh, technical movement in the market. One thing is they, they don't watch fundamentals that closely, but they do watch technicals, and they want to protect their money. So if indeed the market would show some kinds of some kind of bottoming formation and a trend change, they would be quick to jump to the sidelines. So rather than just jumping in um, just because you've sold the production or marketed the production or met a contract and stepping in right away, you can identify something above the market, whether it's the previous day's high, the previous week's high, um, set something above the market that if the, if let the market tell you when it's time to step back in and reown it on paper and not just do it uh, because you made a sale. Okay, so for a lot of people, a lot of farmers out there today, margins are tight and their bank's giving them a lot of pressure. So they're not interested in a tremendous amount of risk, many of the farmers that I'm talking to. So are, are there any other strategies or what do you think is the lowest risk strategy that a, that a farmer can take? So he isn't taking, you know, just tremendous amounts of risk and uh, he, he can do something here just in the next couple of months. Yeah, we, we've had some of those discussions, and, and we're looking the, – the, the clearest example or the clearest best product is a bull call spread. In this case, you're entering into a strategy that does have limited upside, uh, but it's also going to carry limited and a very reduced uh, cost associated as well. And a bull call spread, you're going to be buying a call and selling a call. So you're buying a call that's closer to where the current price is, and you're selling a call option that's a little further away from where the current price is, uh, so an example would be in the corn market that we're kind of looking at or bouncing around is a July 360-380 bull call spread. So in this particular strategy, the option would expire. It would give you coverage, re-ownership until late June. And the co- the strategy would cost $0.06 cents per, per bushel for the entire strategy. The maximum you can gain on the position is the difference between the two strike prices. So 360 to 380 the maximum you can gain is $0.20, cents, and then you have to back out that uh, $0.06 cent initial cost. So in this case, 
uh, you're risking six cents. That's the max you can lose for an opportunity to make 14. You know, it's a safe and relatively inexpensive way to participate in the rally um, and you know pick up in this case, 15 cents, and it's a great way for those who don't have a lot of experience, a way for them to get started and not put uh, a tremendous amount of skin in the game and keep their, their costs somewhat low. And you can always adjust these if you're willing to risk a little bit more. And to make a little bit more, you just you know separate the strike prices a little bit further, but a bull call spread I think would be the way to go. We started GrainPhD.com a couple of years ago to try to get more farmers good information on grain marketing because – I mean, it, it. if you don't know much about it, it does sound complicated when you got puts and calls and spreads and and all this. What are maybe the most common one or two questions that you're getting with, with through Grain PhD? I mean, just basic questions that a lot of farmers are still asking. Well, I think a lot of the questions uh, revolve around getting a, having a plan in place and what happens if I don't reach my plan. And uh, because it, it in this particular, this is a perfect example. In this particular case, price-wise, we we didn't meet a lot of people's price objectives. Um, and so, I think an important thing is to to have a, a plan and price, not only based on price, but you want to do some pricing based off time. So you need as the calendar moves down, you got to do a little bit of pricing, whether it it pains you a little bit uh, or not. And then I think it also the other question is goes back to the terminology, um, you know, what these, what puts, puts and calls are, what they, what I need to do to protect myself, what I need to do to, if I did want to do a re-ownership strategy and getting those examples out there. And as you said, Green PhD is a great product uh, to review that information because there's a glossary on there. You can get comfortable with the terminology, you get comfortable with some of the strategies. A lot of the information on there comes from the, uh, the, merc- the mercantile exchange, some of the, the, uh, study guides that they use so you can get that kind of background information get comfortable with it and then when you're ready to reach out and get um you know put a plan in motion and put you know participate in the market you have a good base of knowledge uh, to work with yeah there's also the free GrainBridge software that you can use and then you can keep track of your market position so i think that's a good good feature too uh, how about if somebody wanted to talk directly to you is that available as well yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to, um, you know, you can give me a call. Just call Grain PhD at uh, 844-GRAIN-01, and uh, they'll get you in touch with me or someone on my team. And, you know, I'd be happy to just sit and bounce ideas off, you know, find out about your operation, what you're, uh, what you're trying to achieve and what your objectives are, and see if there's something we can do to help you out. All right. Again, we've been talking to Scott Harms with Grain PhD and Archer Financial Services. Scott, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. All right. Have a great afternoon. Yep, you too. All right. We will get back to talking about weed control coming up right after this. Again, if you'd like to call into the show, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send me an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, being able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio, talking post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn. Next on the show, we've got Dan Waldstein with BSF. Dan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you today? Excellent. All right, so earlier in the show, I had mentioned status. That is my favorite post-corn herbicide when, uh, I'll, and I'll just tell you this story, I used to, when I was a young agronomist, I would often start my conversations with farmers by saying, okay, well, what weeds are you after? And I would get a few guys who would say, all of them. <laughs> and it wasn't just that they had a lot, they had a lot of different species. Well, anyway, when I, uh, when I, whenever I mention that to farmers that, hey, if you've got lots of species and lots of weeds, that's where I like status because it's pretty broad spectrum and really good for control. So I assume that's the main post-broadleaf corn herbicide you're talking about at BSF, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, status, as you said, I mean, if it's a broadleaf weed, there's really not a whole lot of questions out there about whether you get control or not. It's, it's very effective. And 
one of the reasons we like it a lot is, um, you know, most labels have um, weed height restrictions and, and status does as well, but it, it really does, uh, you know, separate from the pack, so to speak, when we're going after bigger weeds, so six-inch-plus weeds. With, we know we're supposed to do them at four inches or even three inches, but in reality, we get some rainy weather and boils weeds can grow pretty fast, so it's nice to have a product like status that can really do well on those larger weeds. Okay, I get a lot of people that think that status is just dicamba, but status actually has two totally different modes of action, the difufenzapir and the dicamba. Can you explain how the product works? Yeah, so the group four in there, as you said, is dicamba. That's a growth regulator. So basically it kind of mimics a, a plant growth hormone in the plant, and, and uh, by itself, I, I like to say it causes the, uh, the, the weed to kind of grow itself to death. And that's where you get those twisting symptoms and that and those typical group four symptoms. The group 19 is unique to status. Um, it's what we call an auxin transport inhibitor. So the best way I des- describe that group 19, the diafrufenzapir, is, you know, typically when a weed's exposed to dicamba, it's going to try to flush away that dicamba from the growing points. And so that's why it takes a little bit longer sometimes with just a solo dicamba. Uh, with that group 19, the synergistic effect, basically it locks that dicamba into those sensitive growing points in the weed and uh, you get much quicker kill and you get much more effective kill uh, with a lower rate of dicamba because of that group 19, the diphenyl that really has a true synergistic effect on that dicamba chemistry. What can I do as a farmer to make my status work as good as possible? Well, we talk a lot about rates, and, and uh, you know, I, I think, uh, especially in a situation where you're dealing with resistant weeds, we want to keep those rates up. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that uh, will still use it at three ounces, but we like to see it at four or five ounces. Um, especially if you're going after bigger weeds, you want to keep those rates up. Um, so that's that's an important part of it as well. Um you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty, I don't want to say it's a bulletproof uh, herbicide, but it, it's really, you know, very effective if you can keep the rates uh, reasonable. And, and um, like I said, um, you know, fast acting against big weed, that's uh, probably one of the biggest uh, features that we've got with that product. Anything else you wanted to talk about today, Dan? Any other herbicides or anything? I would mention Armazon Pro, and it's because of the flexibility of that product. You know, we've got a lot of areas that are dealing with a a wet planting season and, and they're not sure when they're going to be able to get in and get an application on so um amazon pro we like to talk about it it's got a residual chemistry as well as a chemistry to control the uh, emerged weeds in the field and you can go from pre all the way up to 30 inch tall uh corn and so it's a real flexible tool that um we've seen some really good results with in the last few years Yes, you've got the Armazon or HPPD component in there. So if you want to go with a different mode of action as opposed to what the status has, then that's where the Armazon Pro fits pretty well. And you got a Group 15 in there. So Group 15 and HPPD, again, two modes of action, but just totally different than what we're dealing with with status. That's right, right. And the beauty of that product, Armazon Pro, is you can go in a two-pass program as a follow-up after a pre um, and there's some guys, especially in our northern geographies, that will use it as a one-pass post and, and do pretty well with that in a lot of situations. Yeah, I always worry about that and trying to get by with one pass. And it does work in some situations. But if you spray 
too early, you have weeds come later on. If you spray too late, now you got hurt by those weed, the early weeds knocking your yield a little bit. So the timing gets really challenging when you do that. I know for my dad, uh, he always used to talk about he was just too nervous to ever do that. He said, I just, I can't handle the stress. He said, I can't sleep at night when I do that. So he goes, I'm always going to put a pre on. That way I can sleep good. If it, Even if it starts raining, I know I got some weed control out there. Hey, Dan, we get to run, but uh, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. Let's go next down to the state of Nebraska. We got Bob Kavinsky on with us. He is with Syngenta. Bob, how are you? Uh, just fine. Thank you, Brian. Nice talking to you today. All right. So as I was wrapping up with Dan there, he was talking about a post-emerge uh combination or premix product containing a group 15 and an HPPD herbicide. And at Syngenta, you've actually got several options that would include those couple of modes of action. Yes. Uh, well, the most popular one in the market right now is, of course, Halix GT. Yep. And Halix has the group 15, a dual chemistry that's in it. It also carries Callisto, which is, uh, of course, one of the HPPDs. And, uh, and then it also carries the glyphosate uh, to help us with, uh, you know, volunteer grass, that type of thing that might be coming up uh, or sneaking by later on. Um, and then uh, the other probably most common product also in the, in the market today is, uh, of course, Acron. We use that both pre and post, and a lot of times it's a, it's a split application in order to enhance the performance. The one advantage that Acron has over other chemistries is it's got a new HPPD called Bicyclopyrone, and Bicyclopyrone picks up several really key weeds. It also helps us on weeds like Morning Glory and uh, Giant Ragweed and and uh, has quite a bit of activity on the mare's tail in early early season, so it helps us from a burn-down standpoint. Um, also has better activity than other chemistries on weeds like kochia, so it becomes a, an opportunity for us to pick up some of those uh, uh, more difficult weeds here in the western part of the high plains. Now you well, mentioned probably the most common. Yeah, go yeah ahead. and you mentioned uh, the, these products could be used pre or post, and that's a big deal in soybeans. Most of the pre's can't be used post, but here with any of those you mentioned, Halex, Acuron, there's also Acuron Flexi, Lumax, all products you have, any of those could be used pre or post. Is there any risk in terms of crop injury with any timings pre or post, anything you're concerned about at all? Well, one advantage we have with the active ingredients that are in these products is that they are very safe to the crop, both pre and post. Uh, we prefer to have uh, a, a heavy rate on the Prius side of the chemistry. There, there's a great study that was done by the North Central Weed Science uh, uh, States here in two, 2016, I think it was published. And their comment was is that uh, uh, when they looked at all the research, for every dollar you spend on a pre-emerge side to prevent a weed, it can cost anywhere from two to two and a half dollars to <laughs> cure it later on post-emerge. It's much more expensive to control it post-emerge than it is pre. So many times the best post-emerge product is the one that has a good foundation pre put underneath it in order to manage those weeds to minimize their height, their their uh, their timing, so that you have better opportunity for coverage and better opportunity for control. So it's really about a combination of pre and post. In Syngenta, we really believe in a two-pass system is the best program in corn and in soybeans because without it, it's very difficult to have a total post or a total pre-program uh, be effective because of the timing, as you mentioned with your earlier guest here just a minute ago. 
Yep, I agree with you 100%, Bob. Uh, hey, I've got about 30 seconds left. Any last comments you got for us today? Well, the most important thing is uh, coverage and timing, and, and on post-emerge especially, uh, uh, small weeds are much easier to kill than taller weeds. So, you know, that two to four inch weed timing is, is the most important. It also get, allows for better coverage. So it's really important to, to have the right adjuvant system and the right timing uh, so you get the maximum coverage and best control. Yep, good comments. Again, we've been talking to Bob Kavinsky with Syngenta. Bob, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it, Brian. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, we'll talk a little more about some of these post-emerge broadleaf herbicides in corn and get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Think about a quarter inch of rain. That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro Herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, joined by my brother Darren again. 
All right, so just to wrap up our discussion on these post-emerge broadleaf herbicides for corn, I would simply say this. I really encourage you, have a good pre-emerge herbicide program. It's been mentioned a couple times in the show already today. But if you get the pre out there, your post product does not have to do as much work. You don't have as much risk for yield loss if you're just a little bit late on spraying. Because don't forget, as soon as any weed emerges out in your field, it is pulling moisture out. It is pulling nutrients out. Now, this year, (laughs) you may want it to pull moisture out, and you don't have a big problem with that. Uh, And I know that sounds fine today because most people are wet, but it doesn't take long, and all of a sudden you go from too wet to too dry, and you're going, man, I wish I wouldn't have let that weed or all those weeds suck my moisture out. And in, in the meantime, they're also taking lots of nutrients out. So it is, generally speaking, not a good thing for our corn plants or any plants we're trying to raise to have competitors out there. Any competitor out there does seem to hurt yield. Uh, okay, so last thing I guess that I've got here is there are a lot of premixes out there today. I mean, lots. Like Syngenta, I, I just mentioned four, Halix, Lumex, Acuron, Acuron Flexi, and they're all really good. I like them in different situations. And where I'm going with this is it can be kind of hard to sort this out a little bit. So you have to look at cost, obviously. That's the number one thing that I'm looking at. Uh, But, you know, real close second is, okay, I got to make sure it actually kills the weeds that I'm after. So where I've always started as an agronomist is I say, look, what's your number one weed problem on the farm? Let's absolutely make sure we get that under control. And in corn, in terms of broadleaves, this is your chance. Because corn is a grass crop, broadleaves are totally different than a grass, so it's easy to kill broadleaves in a grass crop. The chemistries that we get to use Uh, are, generally speaking, pretty safe to grass when they kill broadleaves. So we don't have lots of crop injury risk or anything, and usually the cost is not that terrible. Let's get these weeds 100% under control so when we go next year to a broadleaf crop like soybeans and we're trying to kill broadleaves in there, we don't have such a tremendous seed bank that we just can't get those weeds under control and our yield really suffers. Darren, you got any last comments here? No, it's it's just one of those things that you have to tie in your whole program, what you're doing, and also look at what you're doing in your soybeans. And if you're relying on the group 15s, pretty heavy in soybeans, you want to make sure that everything works great in your corn, that you've got other options in there to try and pick up some escape grasses and so forth, uh, so you don't uh, don't burn out the, the group 15s in the whole system as well. All right, and with that, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Okay, uh, first question here comes from Richard, who says, Hi, guys, I just had a soil test done, uh, and I am actually going to put a garden on this ground. I've got a 5.4 pH. My organic matter is 1.8. I've got a fair amount of phosphorus. Uh, My test is telling me it's excessive, 70 parts per million, but I only have 45 parts per million of potassium. I'd kind of like to know where you guys think I should start to get this corrected. By the way, it's on the edge of pine trees, and it's a pretty small garden area, but I would appreciate any advice that you've got. Well, Richard, the first thing that I want to know is what crops am I raising? So, for example, if I was going to raise blueberries, they actually like that 5.4 pH, and I wouldn't change a thing. If I was raising 
some other crop, let's say a legume crop, I, I mean, maybe I want to raise that pH a little bit and get a little bit of lime out there. But I do know this. If your potassium is clear down at 45 parts per million and you've got uh, you've got that for an issue, but you've got very high, P or fo high phosphorus levels at the same time, I'd be applying potassium for sure. Now, the other thing is I don't know what all your other levels are. So I don't know your sulfur or your any of your micronutrients or anything like that. So I'd kind of like to know that. And, and I may be applying a little bit of that. I'm not sure. But definitely I'm going to be taking a look at what crop I'm going to raise out there. Should I adjust my pH? Most likely you're going to want to put a little bit of lime out there and then definitely get some potassium out. All right, uh, next question. Hey, Brian. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just, just to sum that up, complete soil analysis is number one, and then you know that your pH is really acidic, and anytime your pH is out of whack, it's a nutrient imbalance that's involved. In this case, we can see clearly we're really short in K, so that, that would be a good place to get started. Well, yeah, but typically when your pH is low, that means you need more calcium. However, like I say, some crops actually prefer that. Not many, but some do. So you, you, we, we always want to pay attention to that a little bit. And uh, another yeah, crop that yeah, you're probably not going to raise in the garden. It. Don't overdo it. Right, but another crop you're not going to raise in the garden probably is alfalfa. Well, alfalfa really likes soil pHs right around 7. Whereas corn probably likes it, you know, closer to that 6365 kind of range. Like I said, blueberries, you probably want to be down in that five kind of range, maybe even less. So it can vary a little bit depending on the crop. All right, next one here yeah, and, is... And just as you make the adjustments, don't overdo it. Right. Uh, next one here is from Mark. He says, I'm from Indiana. I'm farming in Missouri, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, he said he is... Uh, planting some food plots, and he just has a couple of questions. Uh, when do you recommend putting out fertilizer? Should it be before my first disking, after my first disking, uh, but before I use the planter with the disk on? Uh, what 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 do you think there? He showed me a picture of his cedar and everything, and basically that that uh, to to cut through a lot of what he said, he's going to disk, then he's going to seed. Okay, so when should he put his fertilizer out? That's his first question. And I, I would just tell you, Mark, for me, I always want to put the fertilizer out first. The reason why is if you're going to do any tillage, we want to stir that fertilizer around a little bit so it isn't so concentrated. I don't have to worry as much about seed or crop safety. And then also, I want to get it down in the ground a little. So let's say you were to go out, do all your seeding, you, get, you till the ground, seed, everything is done. Then you lay that fertility on the surface of the soil. Well, phosphorus isn't going down. Potassium, probably not going to go down real well. Then you've also got zinc doesn't move very well. Copper doesn't move very well. So there are a lot of these nutrients, you may lay them on the soil surface. If you get any erosion, well, you probably just lost your nutrients along with your soil. So I would absolutely put them out there first before I do anything. Uh, and then his other question is, does all this turning of the soil hurt or help the micronutrients in my soil? And by the way, I never go much deeper than six to eight inches. It really isn't going to have any big effect, positive or negative, on the micronutrients other than I will say this. The more you do tillage, the more you are burning up some of your soil's organic matter, and that's going to release some different nutrients into your soil. So 
you will usually have slightly higher nutrient availability when you till versus when you don't. Also, when you till, you've got oxygen that's now going into that soil. And if, let's say, your soil was tight, uh, was poorly drained, whatever, and now you get more oxygen in there, well, you will most likely have a little bit more root growth, which means you should extract a few more nutrients from that soil. So, I don't, and don't get me wrong, for anybody that is listening and you go, well, I'm a no-tiller and I love no-till and that works great for me. I'm not saying no-till's bad. I'm simply saying that when you till the soil, it does release some more nutrients, not a ridiculous amount, but it does release some more nutrients right now and including micronutrients. So uh, in your case, it, when you say, hey, I'm going to till one way or the other, is it going to help my micronutrient levels in my soil or hurt? I would say it'll be a really tiny, slight increase, but nothing ridiculously noticeable. Darren, what do you think about that? Well, with boron, that's one that leaches down through the soil. With many of the other micros, they don't. So it could help with them. Yeah, in terms of tilling them and moving them down into the ground, absolutely. So I, I don't know it, with his question if he was saying, I'm going to apply them or I already have them in the soil and will tillage help. I don't know where he's going with that. But yes, for the immobile nutrients, by tilling them down, getting them down into the ground, into the root zone, that certainly should help availability if he had just applied those. All right, we will answer more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy 2 Save 3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze on Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit LeaveTheWeedsToUs.com to learn more about Graze on Next. Always read and follow label directions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean. 
when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or FMCFreedomPass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an axial flow combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today. We're going to jump right back into the Ag PhD mailbag, but if you've got a question for us, you can certainly call us radio or uh, <laughs> let's try that again. 844-44-AG-PHD. It's 844-442-4743 or email us radio at agphd.com. All right. Next one. Next question here is from Spencer. He is from North Central Iowa. He says he's got a cation exchange capacity of about 20. He says, this is my first year applying chicken litter. I'm applying three tons per acre. The lab analysis says there are 45 units of total N with a first year availability of 25 units per ton. So if he's got three tons, that'd be 75 pounds available now and 135 pounds uh, long term. Okay. He says he plans to apply an additional 80 units of N with a combination of 32% and ATS. His yield goal is 200 or better. So I'm just going to add the 80 to the uh, 75 pounds. That's 155 pounds of nitrogen. But here's the whole thing. Oh, here's, let me go to his question. He said his, his normal program, by the way, is to apply 100 pounds of the weed and feed application and side dress another 50, but he's now using this uh, chicken litter instead. Anyway, he says, would you recommend applying all 80 pounds of that extra N I'm going to put on besides the chicken litter, uh, put it on up front to save the side dress pass, splitting the N between weed and feed and side dress or some other way? What do you think I should do? Okay, so I've got a couple of questions along with this. My first one is, how much carryover nitrogen do I have? Now, North Central Iowa is not all that far away from where I'm at, and I just know that throughout our region, we had a ridiculous amount of fall rain, and there was a lot less nitrogen left in the soil compared to normal. So on our farm, I'm figuring I got 10 pounds out there, and a lot of times I have 40 after soybeans, so it's not much. My next question for him is, how much organic matter is there? If he has 3% organic matter versus 7% organic matter, that's a big deal in how much nitrogen is going to come available over the course of the year. So anyway, uh, what I would say here is, first of all, I'm a little concerned if his yield goal is 200 and he's only getting 155 pounds of total nitrogen out there. That, that it scares me a little. It might be enough based on organic matter and carryover in, but I think he might be a little on a little weak on that. In terms of should he put it all out up front, I don't have a real big issue. If let's say there was 10 or 20 pounds of carryover from last year, he's got 75 pounds with the chicken litter and he throws another 80 pounds out, it's probably only putting him at 165 or 175 pounds and he's got 20 cation exchange capacity. He can probably hold 200 pounds. I'm not that worried about it. 
Uh, I'm not super worried about leaching or anything. What I'm, I'm probably more worried about with a CEC of 20 is denitrification. So if you're real concerned about, hey, my ground could, I, you know, in north central Iowa, you get a fair amount of rain. I'm worried I could denitrify some of that. Then I would split apply it. Otherwise, yeah, to throw 150 pounds out now, whatever, is not a real big deal. Darren, what do you think? I like split applying. I, I think he's probably got some carryover in that has to be measured. I, I don't think that the 155 pounds is going to be 100% available. I, I think there's a good chance he's going to lose a little bit of it at least. Maybe not a huge amount, but a little bit. And I'd really like to know his organic matter. So, yeah, I'd like to see a soil sample complete with a nitrate analysis, too, just to see what we've got, what we're working with. But I think he's close to on the right track. And if it was me, yeah. I think I'd split shot it. Yeah. Um, I, I would say this, though. The 75 pounds, to me, is not enough early. I'd, I'd be getting some out. So he says his normal program is to apply 100 pounds of the weed and feed application and side dress another 50. Um, I might put 50 pounds out with the weed and feed thing, so I at least get up to 125 pounds now, especially considering that, you know, I, d I don't really trust chicken litter. I don't trust manure and the samples. I, I, agree with you on the, <laughs> I agree with you on the chicken litter. And talking to Matt Miles, who's used a lot of it just last week on the show, Matt said, you know what, I just put that on as luxury feeding. I don't count it. <laughs> And it's going to show up for me in my test at the end of the year if there's any extra. And then I can count that for next year. But for this year, yeah, I might not get any of it in time to make a difference. So I've got to make sure I get some out early. So I'm with you. Let's put a little bit out early, too. Yeah. So he was talking about 80 pounds and should it be early or late? I'd probably do 50 pounds early and maybe another 50 pounds uh, at side dress time at least. And then also at side dress time, you can evaluate, hey, things are terrible or hey, things are great and make adjustments accordingly. All right. Next question here uh, comes from Stephen, who says he's a crop science student down in Texas. He says he was listening to our sulfur needs for crops episode and heard us say converting elemental sulfur to sulfate, you just multiply by three. Well, where do you get those conversion numbers? Um, and also, can you talk to us about conversion numbers for potassium and phosphorus? All right. Well, Stephen, this is just fairly basic uh, chemistry and sulfur converting to sulfate, you just multiply times three. It's just, it is what it is. Potassium to K2O potassium, you multiply times 1.2. If you want to convert phosphorus over to phosphate, you take the phosphorus number times 2.3. So that's what you're after. Anyway, he's asking, is there a book or publication I can read about this? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. This is just kind of basic knowledge we've had for years and years. I assume I probably learned this in college. I don't remember when I learned it in college. <laughs> I know I've read many things that have had that over the years. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, thanks again, and I appreciate your time and willingness to help others. All right, well, thanks for the email, Stephen, and hopefully that helps you at least just a little bit. All right, uh, next one is from also from North Central Iowa, just like our uh, the emailer a couple of questions ago. Anyway, he says here, I'm working on grain drying, and where I'm at is I have a small need to be able to dry the grain in a gravity wagon. So I'm trying to figure out what's the proper air ducting to get the even drying throughout that grain. Uh, can you help me at all with this? I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, trying to dry grain in a gravity wagon. We've actually done that before, like with small grain, 
couple of years, we had just a few acres of small grain through it in a wagon. And, you know, you're trying to figure out how to dry that evenly. It or, or keep it cool, whatever. It is not easy because a gravity wagon has is a weird shape. And to get even flow of, of air through that, I have no idea how you would do that well. Darren, you got any suggestions? No, and, and you hit on it there. It's the shape. When you've got yep. something in a, in a different shape like that, it's really tough to figure out how to do it. Yep. So unfortunately, I don't have any good answer for you. I'd run a little ducting in there and give it my best shot, but it is, I don't know how you'd ever do that evenly. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question. I don't have a name, but he says he's from, oh, it's Michael. Uh, Michael from West Virginia. He says, I've got a question about the new Enlist soybeans. I'm going to try some this year. Now I plant green, so I plant right into annual ryegrass and some rapeseed in a live cover. And I'm wondering what rate of the new 2,4-D should I be using along with my glyphosate in my burn down after I plant? Uh, oh, and by the way, I'm in a pretty moist area. Okay, so when you are in a pretty moist area, I do get a little worried about if you plant and you're not able to get this burn down on, but the good news is with the, the new 2,4-D, you can spray it either pre or post. So that hopefully will work out pretty well for you. Um, you know, I don't know how big this is going to be. I unfortunately have to assume though, it's going to be pretty big and coverage is going to be the problem. The rate also will be a little bit of an issue because I want you to think about, you know, your, your cover could, could be a foot tall, maybe more. Okay. Well, look on the label for almost any herbicide. How tall are the weeds that you're going to try to control uh, and, and be on label four inches, maybe six inches. So, you know, I'm, you're going to have to go to the maximum label rate, which is probably going to be a quart. Uh, Darren, what do you think? And maybe I lost Darren. Well, anyway, I, I would just tell you I'm going to use the maximum labeled rate, and then I'm going to be prepared to spray early. Because if you don't get all these weeds under control in the beginning, then you've got weeds out there that are, are competing with your crop. So you, you, you've got to do something right away. And I think with the new Enlist 1, you're going to be talking probably a quart, I'm going to assume, is the maximum labeled rate on that. Uh, it, the product's pretty new, so I don't even, I, I, don't, I don't remember off the top of my head what they do say for, yeah, okay, I'm just looking for pre-plant burndown. Yep, uh, one quart. I, I, I assume that was right. I just wanted to make sure I double-checked on the label uh, for the burndown situation. I know post-emerge, that's the maximum you can do as well. But yeah, if it's me, I'm going to try to spray uh, my burndown at a quart, enlist one along with some glyphosate and then i would be ready to go pretty early post to clean anything up that i missed all right well thanks again for that question appreciate it well before we go just want to say thanks to our production staff thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions and thanks to you for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio and now stay tuned for shark farmer radio